Welcome to the Nerd Normie Podcast. I'm a big film nerd, Everett. And I'm Emerald, and I'm engaged to a nerd. On this week's episode, we will be covering the movie Living, starring Bill Nye. Um, And also, we will be covering Reality, starring Sydney Sweeney. Uh, for both of these movies, as they are newer releases, uh, we will be doing no spoilers uh, and then jumping forward into spoilers. Uh, time codes will be down in the description for all of that. Here we go. From when I was a child, what I wanted was to be a gentleman. All right, Living is a 2022 film starring Bill Nye, directed by Oliver Hermanus, and screenplay is by Kazuo Ishiguro, and is based on Akira by Akira Kurosawa. Um, this movie follows Bill Nye as a older gentleman who works as just kind of a in a management role as a paper pusher in the public works in London um, and basically he's spent the last 50 years or so just moving files around and sending things upstairs and them sending it back and then he sends it somewhere else and just really caught up in the bureaucracy of public works and parks and clearing and all of this all these different departments and paperwork that you've got to go through um and then shortly into the film he discovers that he has a terminal illness and this leads him on a journey of trying to recapture his life and his excitement and appetite for living yeah um I would say the highlight of this movie is for sure Bill Nye's um, acting. I mean, he's so soft-spoken and sweet and just perfect for that part. It's hard to not just be enwrapped in his story, even though it's like really just a slice of life. Nothing super exciting happens, but he's just so cute to watch. Yeah, I think his performance is the reason to watch this movie not that it's a bad movie otherwise it is very good um but yeah he's really the standout there's a reason he was nominated for best actor for it um at the oscars it really is a quiet and introspective performance that has its moments of sadness and happiness and trying to be dignified and all of this stuff uh, and he plays it all off very very well um the supporting cast around him um namely amy lou wood alex sharp and tom burkey are good there's nothing wrong with them particularly i liked amy lou wood i thought she was a great kind of counterpart for him throughout the movie um and the other performance like there's nothing wrong with them they're just they're not the focus of this film um which is where I think this film kind of struggles. Uh, its third act kind of takes some of the focus off Bill Nye and focuses more on his impact on the characters around him. And they're just less interesting than he was. And so it does sort of slow down and become a little bit... I don't want to say predictable, but like over explaining everything yeah. that's going on and just yeah yeah so i mean we can get more into that in the in the spoiler section um i'll also say this film is made to look a little bit older um 
you know, it's not full on looking like it's made in the 1950s, but it is very, it is set in the 1950s, it is based on a 1950s movie, and is very clearly trying to evoke that aesthetic through a lot of it, um, with some modern filmmaking techniques and stuff mixed in there. Uh, so if you are not a fan of that look and want everything to look super polished and clean, this may not be the movie for you as well. Yeah, I think overall the themes and the story here are very strong. Again, Bill Nye is excellent. It's directed very well. It's written very well um, and is definitely worth a watch. Do you? Yeah, I agree. I would say 90% of the movie is so, so good. And then the last 10% is just eh. <laughs> it is a real shame that it, it kind of falls apart there at the end for us but it really I don't think that's necessarily like a reason to not watch this movie or go into it dreading the ending it's not like a bad ending it's just when the start is so strong and your ending is slightly below what you've been seeing this whole time uh, it can leave you feeling a little less you know excited for the film but it is it is definitely worth a watch, in my opinion. Yeah, and I do feel like, in my opinion, a lot of movies over the last few years haven't really stuck the landing for their endings, so it could just be us <laughs> that think yeah. that the ending wasn't great, but yeah. Yeah, I feel like all the time when we're talking about movies and stuff we've watched over the last year and so, um, it has been a lot of like, oh, this this was a really great setup, and then kind of fell away and I don't know if that says something about us or about films in this current era but it is quite often that we aren't thrilled by the conclusion to a film yeah but all right I think that kind of covers everything so, so too. we are going to move forward into spoilers all right so some spoilers for living um I think the the place to start is that end that we we talked about um it's that he does he's finally building to having a confrontation with his son uh and daughter-in-law who he has a strained relationship with to say the least uh and he's also trying to get this park for children made in a rough area not necessarily like a rough area but the physical area is rough it's all flooded with sewage and gross um and he's very strong-minded about this and then he's about to go make it happen and then we cut right to his funeral so we never see that conversation in fact it never even ends up happening we find out we don't see him working for this we then see his funeral and then hear some characters kind of talking about him and that's how we fill in the kind of conclusion to the story and i that's that's where it falls apart like because it's not bill nye explaining himself or having these conversations right on his deathbed or something it takes him out of the movie and just kind of analyzes his impact which is an interesting concept but the characters outside of amy lou wood i think are very underdeveloped and so hearing them have these profound things to say about him and the world is not impactful 
Um, um, in particular, Alex Sharp's character is he—he he almost you feel like right at the start of the movie, it's going to be his movie and his evolution of his relationship with Bill Nye, but it's not. Yeah, that, <laughs> that falls away very quickly, and it starts following Bill Nye more closely. Um, and then he's kind of you know he's there in and out, but it really centers on. Um, a night out with Tom Berkey and then his relationship with Amy Lou Wood. And then at the end comes back to <laughs> uh, Alex Sharp. And I I don't know much about him or his relationship. I mean, Bill Nye's missing for half the movie from work, which is their only connection. Because it was his first day was the day that Bill Nye found out that he was dying and then never went back. So they've only had half a day together. Yeah. And then Bill Nye comes back a completely changed man looking for life. And they do have a couple interactions there. And maybe there's something there that we missed because we skipped those times and are only talking about them in reflection that we missed their relationship developing, but we missed it. So... (laughs) Yeah, and it kind of makes sense in terms of the story for those characters to be undeveloped because of the fact that Bill Nye doesn't open up around them. Like he, uh, Amy Lou Wood calls him Mr. Zombie because he's just dead but alive at his desk doing nothing, not talking to anyone, just sitting and doing paperwork. And so it makes sense for him not to know the people he's worked with for years because he doesn't talk to them and so like that's fine and I guess like the ending would make sense in a way that like you never know who you can impact in your life but it was just weird to go from focusing so much on his life and his death to being all about these other people because even in like the aftermath when they're all talking about how much he impacted them it's not really ever amy lou wood who he spends who he spends most of the film with it's just the the men who he worked with (laughs) yeah and i wonder like i have not seen ikiru the original japanese film this is based on um and so i wonder is that from that movie does that movie focus slightly different did they try and build up amy lou wood's character or someone else's character or pair them back or what changes were made and if it works better in that or in this i don't know um or if they're beholden to certain things that happened in that that they didn't want to change um but to me if you swap amy lou wood in for alex sharp and take him out of the movie not even necessarily like make the first day connection or whatever but just like her character knowing him and then they develop this relationship as he pulls away from work and then they develop it they go back they work together and then at the end he writes this letter to alex sharp that really i think should be to amy lou wood but for whatever reason she's left her job to go get an assistant manager position which turns out to not be necessarily the case they just kind of put her into being a waitress and leave her there and that's never really developed or explained or anything. It just kind of happens in the background. And so I think because it's sort of trying to split the story, the side characters between those two, if you just melded them into one, don't have her leave the job, have her develop this relationship with him, and then at the end 
it would make so much sense that he's writing her a letter explaining like don't be like me don't wait until you find out you're dying to live your life and then maybe she goes and leaves the job to go get something try something new but that's not that's not what we see i don't know yeah it was really good for most of it though i mean it's very impactful seeing that he did just stand or sit at this desk for you know 50 years only to discover he's dying, he has no relationship with his son, his wife passed away when his son was a baby, um, his son's wife is literally only taking care of him so that they can take their money, like, and he just hasn't lived, so he f meets this man who's, you know, talking about how he only is living, he doesn't have any meaningful relationships, anything like that, he just wants to get drunk all the time and travel and do all this stuff and so he spends a night with him and he realizes that's not the kind of living he wants to do so then running into his co-worker who's been such a beacon of light in their office and is always so happy and everything and just wanting to spend time with her and everyone's like talking about how it's such an inappropriate relationship for them to be hanging out because she's so young but it's like it never comes across as like pushing that boundary of them being romantic when he's so old and she's so young it's just it's a very it's very good <laughs> yeah and another thing i'd like to to kind of talk about at the end of the movie the three other co-workers are there and they're very minor characters just kind of there by necessity of there being more than a couple people in the department um and you don't really get to know much about them but at the end they're all recounting this experience of seeing bill nye change and become so passionate about pushing this playground through and making sure it happens no matter what because they were guessing whether or not he knew he was dying and how he must have known he was dying because why would you try and make this difference unless you were gonna die yeah and so they make this like you know very profound we're gonna make a pact today that we're gonna live our lives like this and then inevitably of course minutes later in the movie probably a couple days later in the film world um you see the guy who takes over for bill nye at the head of the desk being handed something oh this is we're being told this is for you blah 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 and he has a chance to like fight it or whatever like bill nye was doing at the end or he can repeat an action we saw Bill Nye do a couple times at the beginning of take a file and say, oh, it can just sit here, no harm, and hide it in a stack of other files. And that's what he does. And Alex Sharp takes exception to this, but all the other guys are just like, mm, that's just, you know, it's so much easier to not actually do work <laughs> yeah, and to just let bureaucracy kill these things. Um, and I liked that, that, you know, Alex Sharp never took part in the pact. All the other guys say, yes, let's, we swear. And he just kind of stares at them because he knows it's not going to be a real thing. And so I like that dynamic. But again, because I don't really know Alex Sharp or these guys, it's not as impactful as it could be as if it was Amy Lou Wood seeing them immediately revert back and being like, hey, whoa, this this isn't the world I want to be a part of anymore because you guys clearly aren't going to change or something. But, yeah. Yeah. I think those are all our thoughts on living. So what would you give this? Um, the first two acts, I would give a 9 out of 10. 
but with the landing not being stuck, it kind of dropped it down to like a 7.5 for me. Yeah. Um, very similar. The first two acts of the film are fantastic, and I would probably give a 9 out of 10 as well. Um, I'll give it an 8 in the end, because even though, as we've discussed for multiple reasons, it didn't quite land... I still think it's a very interesting movie and brings up some cool talking points and was I liked the production design and the stylized look of it. I love reflections and shooting people through reflections and they do that a bunch in this movie. So I'm a sucker for that. But yeah, that is living. Now we are moving on to reality. The results have come back. It's never easy this. All right, so my pick for this week was Reality, starring Sydney Sweeney. Um, this was written and directed by Tina Satter. Um, I wouldn't really say it's written particularly by anyone, considering it is word for word based off a recording. Um, but yeah, it follows Reality Winner, um, who was a real person, is a real person, um, and she worked doing linguist and communication stuff for I mean she was in the Air Force originally and then moves to doing it at a different company um and uh the company is contracted by the NSA so it's like top secret information or um, classified information coming across from the the Middle East and she speaks uh Farsi Dari and Pashto I believe it was and so she's translating um communications from the middle east to pass on to intelligence officers and the government and yeah so it starts with her getting home from i think the store and these two men come up to her and just explain that they are fbi agents and that they have a warrant to look through her home and she's just like okay like kind of and so it's kind of like the whole movie is like what did she do or did she do what she did or what they think that she did yeah it's all the dialogue is directly pulled from the fbi transcript of the interrogation of um reality winner and so it is very much just a kind of pulled back view it doesn't you know go super hard into her backstory or her inner monologue or who these men like it doesn't there's not that side of things really developed at all um but it does inherently kind of create this mystery because the fbi agents don't want to just like lay out their hand right then and there so they're slowly revealing information um and trying to draw stuff from her and her recollection and we don't know how much is she hiding how much is she actually telling the truth um, and so it really does work as a piece of drama, even though it is lifted word for word from a transcript. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's not really much we can do without spoilers, but it's, it's, I don't know, it's hard to go into <laughs> without spoiling anything on like whether she did or she didn't do what they think she did. Because or, finding out what she did is a big part of the movie. Yeah, um, it is obviously, as we said, like based on a real story, word for word. 
Um, so if you've heard about this case or the situation and stuff, um, you, you already know the story and what it kind of asks of the audience, but I guess I'll kind of speak to that aspect. Like what was the intention of making this film? Um, and without trying to give too much away, if you don't know what happened, um, it very much talks about potential whistleblowers and what the where the government draws the line of what is classified whistleblowing is an inherent part of our system here in the U.S. to some extent and like the media and stuff very much rely on people leaking information but at the same time like there is obviously reasons you would not want sensitive information to just get released to the public every day so it's that where does that line fall and watching this interrogation and hearing her story um, kind of getting wrapped up in this world really asks some questions about where do you think the line should be are people allowed to leak documents is the fbi allowed to just question anyone at any time about it where do you you know what constitutes legal whistleblowing and what constitutes an illegal leak of information um whether she even did it or not or how she did it or who else was involved all of these things are kind of brought up throughout the the interrogation um and so for me that's the point of the movie is to recount this story it does it from a mostly objective lens it does have a little bit of context at the beginning and the end which make the filmmaker's stance kind of clear um, which we can talk more about in spoilers um, but I could definitely see people on either side of the political spectrum watching this movie and feeling justified in their opinion of it and where you know their views it is not one that's shoving one ideology down your throat or the other yeah i agree um in non-spoilers i guess we could talk about the there's a cute dog and a beautiful <laughs> cat very cute cat yeah um the fbi agents are weird yeah it is <laughs> I always make fun of movies. I I said this to you while we're watching it, like, oh, I guess when I make fun of movies for having unrealistic dialogue, no, they're just more realistic. It just doesn't sound like a movie because, wow, are those guys awkward? And yes, some of it's like they're trying to cover their bases. So if she asks a question, they repeat themselves. Or if they ask her something, she says, okay, they go like repeat it until she says affirm yes or no. Um, on stuff or keep pressing her on certain things to try and get her into the scenario they want but it's very weird to listen to them <laughs> <laughs> and the actors bring like this kind of awkwardness to it um, and I would say across the board the performances are good I I really enjoyed the kind of weird idiosyncrasies of each character and the strange and it's you know um this isn't really a spoiler, Sydney Sweeney, the lead, uh, had conversations with the actual reality winner and talked to her a lot to inform her performance and bring it to life. So hopefully it's a faithful adaptation of how she was on that day. Um, and it just, yeah, it feels realistic. I could see myself 
if I was in these characters' shoes, acting just like all of them do. Yeah. I mean, yeah, all of them were worried about her animals and wanted to make sure they were okay during this, like, investigation and everything. It was just very... It was odd to watch, but definitely more realistic, I feel like, than a lot of other cop shows would be (laughs) with that situation for sure and i mean yeah it helps that it's again word for word pulled from a transcript and they'll even like in the filmmaking cut to the transcript for a bit just to remind you that these are like the people really did say these or at least that's what the transcript reads or plays bits of the actual recording and stuff um so yeah i i really enjoyed this overall and think it's a very interesting film Mm mm-hmm me too. Uh, yeah, so we are going to go into spoilers now. Alright, going into spoilers. So what happened was that reality winner, which this ends up being true, she um, printed out some documents that are not supposed to be printed or taken out of that office. Um it's kind of hard to tell exactly what it was considering the fact that anytime they spoke about it, they would like bleep it out almost, but in a weird way for yeah. the filmmaking, they would like glitch her out of the screen and then glitch her back in. Um, but it was from what I gather about Russia. Um, it's the voting. Yeah. Yeah. Russia influencing the U S election in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, she printed that out and mailed it to a news source and was caught doing that. We're not really sure if the news source ratted her out or if someone found out that she did it or how that happened. But yeah, she was just tired of where she was in her life, really. Just like she was working at a job that was playing Fox News all the time and she was reading all these things that proved that that wasn't accurate what was being stated. Um, she wanted to be like helping people. She wanted to be speaking Pashto and she was stuck translating Farsi and that's not what she wanted to do. Um, and yeah, she just kind of, as the FBI people put it, snapped and made a mistake. But I think, you know, stuff like that is stuff that civilians should know so it kind of just it's interesting (laughs) yeah and uh, like as i was kind of alluding to in non-spoilers it doesn't present it inherently as like all information should be public information but it also very much is like if the entirety of public discourse at the time this happened is about whether or not there was russia's Russia was involved in the 2016 election. She then sees an intelligence report saying they were successful in hacking several voting systems or involved in influencing them and may have allegedly distorted some of the voting results. Um, And then she's watching all of this stuff about Fox news all day just trying to disprove that or just saying it's not true she's like well hey i have the literal report that tells you according to this intelligence agency it did happen so she mails it into a news source claiming that they will keep it anonymous and whatever um and i think the real kicker at the end of the film it kind of talks a little bit about the logistics 
of the case and what happened after she did get arrested. She did serve three years in jail for a mishandling of classified documents and illegal um, release of information because it may have harmed the U.S. in terms of what they call it process and something um, which is dangerous due to foreign adversaries, whatever. But at the same time, within three days of her arrest, the government acknowledged that this information should be accessible to the public and released it voluntarily. And yet she still served her three years in jail. And then went to probation and is still on probation. Yeah. And so it really, yeah, it asks those questions about the U.S., legal system and what we do with our our whistleblowers and stuff because information like this is important for the public to know so there can be informed and honest discord about these situations Uh, and yet obviously the government doesn't want it revealed that our elections may have been influenced or damaged in some capacity and so they are trying to cover it up because that makes them look really bad um but yeah it's all just a mess and there's even a clip of like a couple of reporters talking at the end being like hey like we won't be able to tell people what's happening in the government if people don't leak us documents and that's an accepted part of this and there are protections for whistleblowers in the legal system and they may or may not have been applied in this case again that is up to your interpretation of the law um but yeah it's it's a very interesting movie, especially if you're intrigued by current events um, or anything with what's going on in politics these days. Yeah. So, what what do you think? What's your what's your score? Um, I would give this an eight out of ten. I think the. It is a very interesting way to make a movie, uh, but it did also kind of leave me a little confused on the intentions for a while because I couldn't tell who was like a good or a bad guy. And again, it's because there isn't really a good or a bad guy or someone we're supposed to be fully behind. Um, And the other kind of thing that bothered me about it is... I get they're going word for word from the transcript and some of those like the name of the specific article and what happened and stuff are probably redacted on the actual transcript but then at the end it does like say hey this is what it was because it did make it to the public and it then got released and so we know roughly what this stuff was that they didn't just say it then because having just a vague memory of this when it happened Every time it cut away from her, I'm like, well, I want to know what she's actually revealing because I don't quite remember and I want to know, like, there is certain information I would say should remain classified and certain information that shouldn't. And because I don't know what it is she's revealed, I can't make an informed decision on whether or not I side with her or the government. And that kind of bothered me. But at the same time, it does kind of resolve that at the end. And I am somewhat interested in politics and learning about more details about these cases. And I think it was very fascinating to pull directly from the FBI transcript um, to hear word for word what these people were saying. And honestly, gave me a little bit of respect for interrogation techniques because I could like I 
you know, it's always like, well, why don't you just say you didn't do it the whole time? But they do a good job of getting her to admit to what she did, whether that's good or bad, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've discussed this before in previous podcasts, but up until me and Everett got together, I would usually only watch scary movies and then, like, I don't know, maybe three movies a year that were a different category and I didn't look at what this movie was going to be before I picked it. I just saw Sydney Sweeney was in it and people on TikTok said it was good. So I picked it. <laughs> um, but this kind of like true crime or reenacting stuff that's happened, that kind of stuff isn't really my kind of movie. For So for that, I think this one I also will give a 7.5 because it was good and it was well acted. It's just not really my kind of movie. Yeah, so, I think yeah. that's fair. All right, that's our thoughts on reality. I don't think you're a big bad master spy. I think you just messed up. All right, thanks for tuning in to our podcast this week. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Nerd and Normie, and we put out new episodes every Monday. And if you're on YouTube, like and subscribe, or if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, uh, give us a five-star review. That really helps us out. Thank, Thank you. you.